uh, join David, David Platt, who is just there with us and uh, thanking you for the way that, uh, that you've been involved. I uh, was just uh, uh, touched again to see uh, the ones that uh, I worked in Northern Africa and the Middle East for a very long time and uh, the ones from this church and uh, how you have supported them and how y'all have just really uh, been so dedicated to sticking with people who've gone out into the hard places of name and, and made a difference. Uh, James and Jennifer, uh, you can pray for them. They are, they're experiencing a pretty difficult patch right now with, uh, with some uh, challenges that uh, some of their, the people they lead are facing. And so I would ask that really you just lift them up in prayer, particularly on December the 6th. Uh, and uh, the Lord will know exactly how to answer your prayer as, uh, as uh, they face uh, some great challenges. And Chris and Christy, as they continue to, to work there in uh, Southern Europe, and uh, uh, I believe so much in what they're doing. My son and his wife and taking my four grandkids are going to be in a city close to where they are, doing very similar things to them. Uh, they, uh, as a matter of fact, just uh, two days ago, uh, my son was on the phone with, uh, with Chris, and they were talking through things together. So, yes, I want to thank you for the way that uh, you are a sending body. Uh, and sending uh, is very much like the heart of the Father. And, uh, you know, those of us who are fathers, we, we realize that when we send out, uh, that doesn't, isn't the end of our responsibility, but maybe a lot of the beginning of our responsibility. The way... Uh, you go as well. I loved meeting Gary in the uh, first time over on, in the Arabian Peninsula. As, uh, we were t- there together and just have been impressed with the fact that, that you as a church continue to find ways to be there. Uh, just as Lisa was saying a moment ago though, prayer, uh, that moves mountains. Uh, it's not that we change God, but God changes us. He changes not only you, but he changes all of us as we pray together in faith, asking the Lord to do things that, uh, that we know for a fact that only he is capable of. Uh, when you just think about the concept of missions, that you leave where you are in the Christian community which God has brought you in, and you go around the world to people who have no thought or understanding of who Christ is and what he stands for, and that God would bring those people to himself uh, and use you and use us together, that is an amazing thought because they're changing the allegiance of people's hearts from things that they've been set on to having an allegiance to the Lord Jesus. And only he can draw and make that happen. So really fervent prayer. Don't just give them a little bit of your prayer uh, just really war with the evil one over the work that you have been part of sending them out to do. Uh, because you see, uh, this is a battle, uh, a battle that, that really stretches around this planet for lives of men and women, boys and girls, um, to know and have faith in the Lord Jesus. Um, so please, don't have 
casual prayer for the work around the world. Uh, bring it from your heart. Make it mean uh, a lot to yourself and to those around the world by making it heartfelt. Your giving, um, it makes a difference. Uh, the fact that this church didn't start giving uh, this year, but that you have a history of giving, makes a difference. Uh, you saw Lewis and Tony, they were in that. They were the older gentleman and, and his wife there, the Myers. Uh, they were sent by us, Southern Baptists, uh, to, to Vietnam way back before the Vietnam War. And uh, they were just in Vietnam a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, he was, they were speaking in Vietnamese, he and Sam James, two veterans who served there to a celebration of a Vietnamese Baptist convention in Vietnam. And we're seeing the Lord grow in that country, which we once just thought was filled with enemies because Christ is at work there uh, in the lives of people like Lewis and Tony. Uh, and your faithful giving, year in, year out, has made a difference. And so I thank you for what the Lord has used you to give in the past, what he's going to work in your heart to, and free up in your own lives to, to give this year and, uh, and what you'll give in the future. So thank you for that. Uh, as people who ha- as one who has received much um, of the benefit because God's let us be sent, now we're senders, my son taking my grandkids and going. That's a bit of a stretch for us, but, uh, but we're glad to be part of that sending and joining you in that whole process as we move along. So we got to get on with it because time is flying by here and I have a lot that I want to share with you quickly. You have your Bible, I trust you do. I want you to go to a very familiar passage. I want you to go there quickly. I want you to look at it. I want you to mark it down. I want you to underline it. I want you to memorize it while we're here. Uh, You probably already have it memorized, but this is the essence of truth that you need to nail down. This one concept there in John chapter 1, verse 29. What does it say there? It says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You can get that. You can get that in your mind. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So when we're sitting there, you're looking at that passage of Scripture. If you go up just a few verses there, you see that, that there are priests who have been sent out, along with Levites, from Jerusalem down into the Jordan Valley to hear what and to ask John some questions. Now, the very interesting fact of that is they go all the way down. They go past Jericho. They go across the Jordan River to a place called Bethany across the Jordan. I lived in Jordan for many years. I loved going there. That is a special place because in that place, friends, it is not a a, a myth or something made up. The very God of the universe has done many revelatory things there. First, he brought his people through the river at that place, Gilgal, the memorial, where the 12 stones were set up is just on the other side. They came in and Jericho fell. You can go to Jericho, which is right there, and you can see where the walls have fallen down, not because of 
a great army, but because the Lord said, I want you to have a great shout and the trumpets to blow. Only God could bring down the walls in that place. Then you see Elijah. You know what? Kareth Brook is right there where he went and he was fed by the ravens. In the time when the Lord was bringing his judgment upon Israel with a drought through those years and the famine that was placed, right there in that place, he fed him with ravens. And he gave him water until he took him to the widow of Zarephath and the days as he began. He made his journey, but he comes back there. He crosses that same Jordan River. He takes his mantle, he strikes it, he crosses there. And right there in that place, he goes up in the fiery chariots. I would have given anything to have been able to watch that day. I think when we get to replay a little bit of, of, of history when we're in heaven, I want to see those fiery chariots going and Elijah catching that mantle that falls in that place. But you know, all of that pales in comparison to what is just about to happen there. You see, John is baptizing there and he's baptizing the baptism of repentance. Remember that? Uh, just if you go back just a little bit there in Luke, you find that the, the, the high priests were pretty upset about that. You find that the priests and all the Levi and the Sadducees, they were upset about that. Why? Because he was talking about repentance there. And what was the temple for? Well, when you walked into the temple, if you've been there, you've come up the south side, there are the mikvah pools there. There are hundreds of them, and people were baptized. They were washed, and then they brought their lamb, their sacrifice to the temple, paying the temple tax, and they were looking for forgiveness, repentance on the temple. And here John was down at the river, and he was doing something quite different. They said... Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? Well, he said, I am not. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. They knew. They had read Isaiah. They knew what Isaiah had said, that voice crying. That's the one that said, prepare ye the way for the Messiah. I mean, this is God. He's talking to the children of Israel in that day, in that place. And he said, I'm going to point him out. And right there on that day, John doing what John was meant to do, he bore witness. Now, if you go back all the way into this chapter and you look right there in the second paragraph after we have that magnificent prologue where, you know, the word was with God and the word was God. uh, You come down there, you see that the point of John coming was to bear witness, to Let the light shine from his life. To let it go out. What does Jesus say to us? He says, let your light so shine before men that they will give glory to God. That too is a job that you and I join John in. And in that day he bore witness. Behold the Lamb of God. Well, why is that so significant, John? Why? Well... What was used for a sacrifice? A lamb. Our 
God, Emmanuel, we sang that, that, that most radical of songs. Emmanuel with us. I mean, that is a radical song. We're not talking about the power of anything on this earth. We're talking about the power of God being with us when we sing Emmanuel. It's not something to take just casually. It is something to be excited about because that is life. My mother-in-law went to be with Jesus at 1240 yesterday, and she went with Emmanuel. She is as alive today as ever, ever been because of Emmanuel. My friend, you could have the cure for cancer and have far less than Emmanuel. You could have all the money in the world and have far less than Emmanuel. So right now, as we're here, when he says, behold, the Lamb of God, he's talking about Emmanuel coming to pay for the sin of the world. Can you think about your own rebelliousness, your own heart, your own life? Let it taste in that to know that, you know, it's only one sin, that rebelliousness against God, where we think we know more about who we ought to be than he knows who we ought to be, that separates us for eternity from him. Jesus came to say, I know, I know all of you I know all of humanity, and there's not one, no, not one. Not one who has lived a perfect life and who has not been separated by, from me by sin. And what John says in that little verse right there, behold, the sacrifice of God. God himself. God did not ask anyone else to do what needed to be done. He did it for us. In our place, he paid the price for our sins. I think sometimes I find myself uh, just uh, being casual with that. You know, I, I lived in the Middle East for a lot of years. And every year, you have the Eid al-Adha, 50 days after the end of Ramadan. And you will see animals from everywhere. And in a meaningless sacrifice, really, they just said, you know, we're following the traditions of our religion. They take sheep, mostly, but also sometimes camels and other, other animals. And they let their blood flow out on the ground. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says that meaningless sacrifice does nothing to absolve us of our sins. But one, one perfect one was given. One died 
that many might believe. That's the good news, friends. That's why we come here. That's why we celebrate. That's why we have such a beautifully decorated place. None of this is to the glory of Southside Baptist Church. These poinsettias are to the glory of God. The, the, the music we sing is to the glory of God. It is all focused on him because we know that when we give him glory, he gives us life. Today, meaningless rituals, they make no difference. But he gave to as many as will believe the right, the privilege, the authority to be the children of God. That's just a paragraph, just on the, uh, in my Bible, on the other side of the column coming down. And he said, but all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave them the, the right. The right. You're talking about a right. This is a right to be the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor by will of flesh, nor by will of man, but of God. To be born of God. That's what it means to put your faith in him. And it changes everything. You see, he has come to take away that sin of the world and to offer salvation. He's the one who came to seek and to save. Just a few, uh, well, actually this summer I was with this, this brother and uh, he, he sent me this story to tell about what he found. He, he grew up uh, just a few miles north of here in Columbia, South Carolina. And, uh, and in 2006... He was right there in the western part of China, and he was hiking up a mountain. I, I'll read you what he just sent me and said. He said, I saw a man standing by the road about 50 yards ahead of me, so I went to talk to him. The man we'll call Solomon asked what we were doing there. I told him that we were hiking the mountain. His response was, that mountain is boring. Besides, I think you came here to see me. I told him, in fact, we did. And I shared the gospel with Solomon. Solomon immediately believed. And he said, 20 years ago, I understood in my heart that there was only one true God. And I've been praying for 20 years for him to tell me who he was. And today you have answered that prayer and that He sent you here. Well, Jeremy, my friend, was 28. When this man started praying, he was an eight-year-old boy in a church much like this. And you see, God started stirring in his heart. And he grew up and he went through all the training that he needed to go. And then he spent from 2002 all the way to 2006 learning how he could be able to speak to that man on that day and share the gospel with him. You see, that's our kind of God. And Solomon and his wife have continued to be the kind of people who make all the difference in the world. You see, God has come to take the sin away from the world. Now, I want to have one last story to tell you just so that 
it will encourage you to believe. In 2008, a very hard thing happened on the Arabian Peninsula. Um, that was my responsibility working with our folks then. And, and in 2009, I got this story very clearly. Today, you have an opportunity to buy a book where it's recorded in a, a very powerful way and learn a lot about sharing with Muslims. The book is No God But One, Muhammad or Jesus. I rarely uh, just give uh, endorsements, but Nabil Qureshi has written it. Absolutely good book there. His first book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, is also a great one. But there he tells of Sarah Fatma Muqtari. She had come to the Lord in that place, in that country. Her father was a leading sheikh and her brother, her older brother, uh, was part of the, of the commission for to promotion of, of, of virtue and prevention of vice. Well, what they call vice is something quite different from us. And he found that she had recorded on her, uh, in her computer the story of her coming to faith and knowing the Lord. And, and he said, you must recant. And she refused. He locked her in a room. He said, I'm coming back in four hours and you better be ready to recant or you will face the consequences of being a kefir an unbeliever, a blasphemer. During that time, I'm sure the question, is Christ worth it, came to her mind and her heart. She posted in those last little bit of time um, a longer uh, story than what I'm going to read to you here, but I want you to hear what this woman, this young woman wrote in answer to the question, is Christ worth it? I was far from the Lord Jesus for many years. Oh, history record and bear witness. Oh, witnesses. We are Christians in the path of the Messiah. Take from me this knowledge and note it well. Jesus is my Lord. He is the best protector I advise you to pity your state of being. Gaze upon your look of hatred. How hideous it is. Man is brother of man, O learned ones. Where is the humanity? Where is the love? Where are you? My last words, I pray to the Lord of the worlds. Jesus the Messiah. The light of clear guidance. Change their hearts and give them right discernment. May he spread love among you, O Muslims. When her brother came back, she refused to recant. Because you see, she knew that Jesus, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Shortly after that, she died a gruesome death at the hand of her brother in that place. You see, what we take so freely given to us costs our Savior everything. And there are many around the world who still fill out the sufferings of Christ. He calls us 
to look at the price and the value of this and determine that it is worth it all. And this, my friend, is why missions exist because of his love for the world. If we say we love God, but we fail to find ways to share the truth with our brother, it's as good as hating him. Sharing the truth of God's love with word and deed is worthy of all that we have. Father, we've been here with you this morning. We have heard beautifully sung music with words that are so radical and so powerful that we would do nothing but just to take them into our hearts. And and Lord, we ask this day that you shape us and shake us that we will not be complacent and even ho-hum about what you've given us. Lord, cause us to ask that question in our own hearts and our own lives. Are you worth it? And Lord, may we answer with a resounding yes, like our sister Sarah Fatima Maktari answered there with her, even her life on this earth. And Lord, may we be no less dedicated to you than she. May our lives be willingly given to you on behalf of those that you would love. Lord, she prayed in her last hour that your love would spread among Muslims. And Lord, we pray that they will be spread among Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and disaffectioned Christians. Lord, may they see and know your love. And Lord, will you radicalize our hearts that we will not be like the church of Laodicea, that we are so lukewarm that you spew us out of your mouth. May we be hot-blooded for you. May we love you with all we are. May we give all that you have given to us back to you that you might use it for your glory. And Lord, you're so generous. When we glorify you, you give us life and life more abundant. Lord, I thank you for this time and I pray you stir the hearts of everyone here, including my heart, to love you more. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.